talking about sharing this morning is, wow, all the stuff that's going on. You know, the um, a few, actually it's been a few weeks ago that I was praying about all this. That's before Afghanistan showed up. But just put that in there. And all the things that are going on with COVID, whether you wear a mask, don't wear a mask, you get vaccinated, don't get vaccinated, all the, the propaganda that's going on out there. Um, you've got the critical race theory and the education issues and, and all the implications that that's bringing forth. We've got what's going on on the border and uh, with just open borders, immigrants coming across, we have no idea who or what is really going on there. I was just, you know, looking at all that stuff, I was like, oh my gosh, overwhelmed. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, nothing has changed. And I go, okay, Lord, he goes, I'm on the throne. My kingdom is advancing and my assignment for you has not changed. I go, oh, okay. And you know what, I got to thinking about it, praying about it, thinking back, go back to my, my father, who grew up during the Depression, uh, served in World War II, um, that wouldn't be a very good time either. You know, somebody that grew up, I, I remember my grandfather's brother who served in World War I, which they called it the war to end all wars, which obviously it didn't. But the fact is that it was horrible. So you look at any segment of history, and there's something bad going on all the time. There's some plague, there's some th issue going on. So that can get extremely distracting. And I felt like the Lord said, look, I, nothing's changed. I've not changed my mind. I'm on the throne. My kingdom is here. It's going to continue to advance. And you be sure you know what your assignment is and do your assignment. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 28. This is our assignment. Go and make disciples. In the beginning of the church, when we started over 30 plus years ago, we prayed about, Lord, what have you called us to do? He said, go make disciples. I, I, I haven't changed my mind. Uh, that is the mandate of the church, to go make disciples. And we say on there, make disciples will make a difference. But the truth is, is that true disciples make a difference. Right. It's just by the nature of being a disciple of Christ, you are going to make a difference. But this is a very, uh, it's a very interesting passage. I've read this many, many times. I grew up, I grew up in church. And we always heard this when it was talking about missions month or mission Sunday. You know, okay, we got to support the missionaries. Uh, go and make disciples. But I want to begin reading verse 18. It said, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, I was reading that. This has been some time ago. And I was reading it. I felt like the Lord just said, you don't get it. And I go, okay, that, that's not exactly shocking to get that from God. And there's a lot of things that I don't get. And so it's like, okay, Lord, what, what, I mean, go. What else? I mean, that's pretty simple. Go make disciples. He said, you, I just felt in the spirit that I wasn't, there was something he was trying to show me. I just, I, I wasn't getting it. I spent a lot of time reading and praying about it. And finally, I felt like what he said is, verse 18 is the most important verse. It says, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. Now, why that's so important is, listen, God never lost authority in heaven. He's always been in charge. He's on the throne. God assigned the authority to Adam to represent him on earth. And Adam lost it. 
Now, you don't stay here in Matthew, and this is going to, this scripture is going to be on the screen. This is Luke 4, verse 6. During the temptation, it said that, he said, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all this authority and its glory, for it has been delivered. Actually, the word delivered, if you look that up in the Greek, it means surrendered to me. That's a very important passage because Jesus didn't say, no, you don't have authority. See, God had assigned to Adam the authority to represent him on earth, and Adam lost it, surrendered it through sin to the devil. He offered it back to Jesus illegitimately. Jesus got it back through the cross by, through the blood that he shared. So when he makes this statement, he's saying, look, I've got all authority in heaven and on earth. The last Adam, the man Jesus Christ, purchased it back with his life. Now, that's huge. Because what he's saying here is that, look, the reason you can do anything is because I have all authority. Now, we have authority if we're in relationship with him. But the reality is, is that he has all authority. And he said, now, based on that authority, think about it. The only, you're, what you can do is determined by who you're in relationship with and to the authority that they have. If they say you can do something, they have the authority, then you can do it. That's just a, a simple understanding of authority. Jesus says, hey, I got it all. So therefore, go and represent me. And what he did by saying that is that, I want you to think about just a moment. He put us back into Genesis 1.28. It's not like God said, I, I've never changed my mind. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He's not giving that up. You know, doesn't matter what the nations do. Doesn't matter what's going on. Doesn't matter what man says. God is on the throne. And Jesus has paid with his blood for it all. So he's saying, look, I got all authority. Now, based on that authority, I'm going to put you back in my plan from the very beginning. I hadn't changed my mind. I still want you to represent me on earth. I want you to do what I called Adam to do in the beginning. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to, to Genesis 1. And what has he called us to do? He told us to make disciples. That's what he called us to do. And uh, he told us, again, we can't make disciples. Can't make somebody do anything. You have to choose to be a disciple. But the reality is that this is what he's called us to do. He's called us to go back and make disciples. Now, uh, first thing, think about this. When you make disciples, it says baptize them, teach them. Well, that has to infer that there's evangelism. Because it didn't, you don't baptize anybody but believers. So it's basically that statement is to go make disciples of all nations. You've got to evangelize them too. Genesis 1.28 though. That God blessed them, and he's talking about Adam and Eve, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue, and have dominion over it, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God's plan from the very beginning was to man to represent him. It was a stewardship issue. He put him on the earth and said, this is what I want you to do. Think about it. Subdue and have dominion. Those are warfare terms. Those are not passive terms. That meant there was something already here for them to subdue and have dominion over. So, that's, so there, was, there was already something there. Obviously, they did not do that. So why is this important? Well, if we're going to 
make disciples, if we're really going to do what he called us to do, and, I, and this is my point, I felt like the Lord was saying, we need to be clear on what our assignment is. If we're, if we're not clear on your assignment, you won't do it. Uh, years ago, we had Naomi Dowdy share with us, and she had been in the Pacific Ocean for years in Singapore. She had a large church over there, and, and uh, she was talking about why there are so many women that would lead small groups, especially in the Asian culture. She said, because women will just about do anything. You know, if they let, go do this, okay, we'll go do it. Said, but men won't do anything unless they feel confident that they can do it. Well, the reality is that we're all a little bit like that. If we don't know what to do, we won't do anything. But we need to recognize that, look, he's told us what to do. Go make disciples. So what happens is, is that we can't really do that if we don't first become a disciple. So that's what Genesis 1 is about. So I want to talk about these individual realms. Genesis 1, I believe, represents five realms of authority in every one of our lives. Fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue, and have dominion. Those are five realms. Each one of those, there's authority in those realms. We need to understand how it operates. And how, what does it look like to not only be a disciple, but then to disciple others? How does this work? Now, you've heard the seven mountains of influence and uh, been talked about a number of years now. We're, talk we're talking a different issue, but we're still, those are seven realms that we're supposed to be influencing the world. But this is God's original five realms of authority. So I want to break down each one of these, and let's look at them. Number one is to be fruitful. Fruitful, that's talking about personally. Everything begins right here. If I don't take personal responsibility, nothing's going to change. No one can make you do something. No one can keep you from being a disciple either. So you got to realize that look, <clears throat> the mandate to make disciples, first, you can't make a disciple if you're not a disciple. You can't give away what you don't have. So the, if we're going to make disciples, if that's our assignment, then you first have to be a disciple. And so the real issue is, is that no one can make you be a disciple and no one can keep you from being a disciple. You have been empowered by God through the cross by the power of the Spirit so you can be a disciple. You can either be one or not be one. But it starts there. So there's no, not blaming anybody. It's not parents' fault, not children's fault, not somebody's fault. No, we choose to be a disciple. Basically, it says be fruitful. Um, we have to be responsible for that. Look at John chapter 15. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but we're talking about abiding in the vine. Beginning in verse 4, it says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Do you get the idea that he wants us to abide? It's interesting you use that a number of times. Now, the word abide, if you look that word up, literally means to dwell or to remain in a position. But do you know one word that is actually used for that word? Sojourn. It doesn't mean to wander around. It means really to dwell or to remain. Okay, now, 
my point here, we, we've got behind us, obviously, this issue of being connected. Uh, it sounds to me like the vine and the branch has a connection. You ever seen a vine and a branch? Uh, what he says is if, they don't, if you don't abide there, they've taken it and thrown away and burned. No, the, the vine is the source of life, and we're supposed to abide in the vine. That's pretty connected. So what he's saying is we first connection is obviously with him and connecting with him. It goes on to say, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Wow. So first and foremost, if we're going to make disciples, we have to be a disciple. And what is a disciple? One who abides in Christ. Now, look at uh, John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 31 says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word... You're my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So again, we're called, if we're going to be a disciple, we have to abide in Christ, but we have to abide in his word. So bottom line is, again, if we're, if we're going to make disciples that make a difference, we have to first be a disciple. Personally responsible, you've got to decide whether or not you're going to abide in him and you're going to abide in the word. The next one the next realm is the issue of multiply. It says we're supposed to multiply. That speaks of family. The family unit is the primary small group unit of discipleship. When you start talking about making disciples, it really begins with your family. It starts right there. The reality is, is that, you know, you model Christ-likeness for your own family. Now, I realize we're talking, a lot of you don't have children at home, uh, may not have had children, may not be married or whatever. But we're still, it's the family unit. It's the, the, the reason that the enemy is doing everything possible to attack the family. Because it's the family, but think about it, all through the Old Testament, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Always family, even in the, in the whole history of mankind, you'd usually have two or three generations living pretty close together. Look at Deuteronomy. And if you can't find it quick enough, it'll be on the screen. This is Deuteronomy chapter 6. And the words of the Lord are basically to love him with all of your heart. And then verse 6 says, And these words which I command you today, they shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, when you... Bind them as a sign on your hand, and it be as a frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That sounds like discipleship. See, the instructions are to continually, all the time, talking about the word and about Jesus. So the, re the responsibility of true discipleship begins in the family and the family unit. And it really is the, the bottom line. It, it's the place where you model Christ-likeness because most children are going to, they're going to be like the parents, not necessarily what you teach them, although we need to be teaching them correctly. They, they pick up things, they're going to be like, like the parents. So if we're not truly living life for Christ, then they probably won't either. 
So again, it's the, the litmus test is that are we really being a disciple of Christ? If we are, they're going to see that. Amen? Amen. Okay, that was happy, happy words. <laughs> I tell, when we do a parenting seminar, I tell the parents, I've got good news and bad news. I said, the good news, kids are going to be all right. The bad news is they're going to be just like you. Because that's just what happens. That's what they are. They're going. They're going to. You're modeling for them. You're. You're. You're going to be who they are. Now, that's scary for some, but that is the truth for most. Okay. The next one is to fill the earth. What is that? Well, that's the church realm. The church realm has a, an important role and a position also. And uh, if you have your Bibles, if you turn to Ephesians chapter four, as Chris shared like a couple of weeks ago, out of out of Ephesians. And really, when you get to chapter 4, Paul is now saying, okay, based upon what I've been telling you, now there's a way to live. There's, there's how you're to function. In verse 11, it says, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And these are gifts given to the church to do what? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You realize that's just one sentence? That's a long sentence. But here's the point. The church has a job to do. Now, we're, the church as an entity is to equip all of us to go make disciples. The job of the church is not personally to make everybody a disciple. Ours is to equip you so that you can be successful in the assignment that God has given to you so that you can grow personally, that you can grow your family, that you can work, and you can be who God's created you to be. And if you look at this passage, it is full of what really is going on here. We're supposed to equip the saints to the work of ministry. Uh, but it, again, it's talking about the edifying the body of Christ. There is a purpose of us gathering together. We need each other. We are the body of Christ. Another thing that happens is by gathered together, again, we're all, if you're in the church, as Pastor Chris shared last, a few weeks ago, we're one new man. And there is only, you're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. If you're in Christ, then we're all part of the family of God, the body of Christ, and there's not multiple churches. But there's expression of the universal church into local congregations because it's important to be connected properly. Folks, my body likes being connected properly. I can assure you, when something is not connected properly, the body squeals. So when you look at this, the job of the church is to help us connect. It's help us to provide an opportunity for us to connect so that the different parts, we're all different, work together so that we bring forth and edify the body that we grew up in love, that we basically look like Christ. So anyway, the point of the deal is that this is the realm of authority, the church. Uh, when we were 
Susan and I dated when we were in high school. We went to college together. And when we went to college, we actually went to church. There weren't many people in college that went to church, but we did. We went to church. And we had a group of friends in college that attended this particular church. And we got married after we graduated. And most of our friends moved away. They, were, they got jobs in other cities. They were from other places. And uh, just it seemed like they just drifted away. It wasn't very long after we graduated. We didn't have our first child for a few years. And so we attended the church on a regular basis. We were very faithful attenders of the church. And then in, uh, a few years later, we had our first son. And when you have your first baby, we were, you know, didn't want to take the baby to the nursery deal. And um, so I was in church one day by myself. And I was sitting there, sitting in the back of the church. It was a fairly large church. And I was looking around, and I didn't know one person in the church. Now, I'd only been going there for about eight years. Now, I knew the people that were in leadership, but I didn't know one person. I could not find one person in that congregation that I could call their name. And we were... At the theater, our, our first child was born, and Susan's sister and her husband were having marital problems and issues, and and we, we didn't know how to handle that. It's just a it was a difficult time. To, we want to help, but we don't really know how to help. We don't really know what to do. And Brad and Betsy Burns, who's part of our founding of the church here, invited us to go to a small church that was just getting started, and it was more neighborhood than where we had been going because we had moved since we had attended college, and we were closer to this other. We started going, felt like the Lord said, time to go to this other church. And we talked about it, and I told Susan, I said, you know, never again are we going to attend a church and not get connected. Never going to do that again. We are going to get connected. Whatever, whatever meetings they have, we're going to go to. Whatever they sell us to, we're going to do that. And uh, we're going to be involved. Now, why I share that is because when we did that, when we made that decision, we had no idea that somewhere down the road we'd actually be starting a church and pastoring a church and handing off the church to Pastor Chris. This was a long time ago. But years later, God revealed that that decision was one of the most important decisions that we ever made in our life. And we had a place on the Brazos River years ago and. And if you've ever been and seen the rivers, not, not when they're full bank, but mostly they meander. And on the sides, there are a lot of times water that's sort of trapped in little eddies and stuff on the sides. It's not really, it's not fresh, not flowing like the mainstream. And the Lord showed me, he said, that's, that's like you were. You were sitting on the side in the water, but you were sitting there going nowhere. That decision that we made had no idea at the time where it would lead us. But what we did, we got in the river, and we started moving. And why it's so important is, is that if somebody had asked us when we graduated, when we got married, if we to list a hundred things that we'd be doing, you know something, Pastor, and wouldn't even been on the list. It was never, nothing at all. So obviously, receiving the Lord, moving in the fullness of the Spirit, all the things that God did for us are huge. But it was that decision to move us off that beachfront, literally, into the river, then God could take us. It was connecting into the body that ultimately changed our lives. And I hope it changed some other people too. 
So our, my encouragement to you is that, well, that's what the local body is about, is to get connected. So it's easy to attend. It's easy to say, well, I know some people there, but, but I'm talking about getting connected. Is everything the local church does is wonderful? No. People say, well, you know, you know, I've been hurt in a local church. If you've ever been in one, you have. <laughs> you know, it's going to cost you. It does. It just costs. It costs you time and energy and effort and money. It costs you. Be a part of anything. It's going to cost you. Folks, we need to get involved. We need to get connected. You know, and say, well, I don't like this, don't like that. You're never going to find the perfect place. But I'll tell you what, you are important. You are important. We need you. You need us. Because, listen, my body parts, they are compacted together. And that's what this word actually says. They are built together, knit together. Wow. We need each other. You know, and if some parts don't look as important as other parts, but we sure need the whole body to be connected so we can do what God's created us to do. Amen? Okay, the next area is, is to subdue. What is that? Well, I believe that speaks of the marketplace. Being out there in the marketplace, we need to work. Everybody works. Work is holy. Work is actually worship. Because what work was in the garden before the fall. Adam and Eve were to tend the garden. They were to serve, literally. They were to, again, they were to work. And so we're supposed to work. Everybody works. Now, you may work at home. You may work in a church. You may work in business. You may work in the government. But everybody is supposed to work. And what that does is it displays really the Lord's splendor. Look at um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It's where it says that we're light and salt. Verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. See, our work is a place to display our discipleship. Now, the reality is that you can make disciples there because you build relationship with people that you work with. But the reality is that, no, it's, it's actually where we get, to, we get to look like Christ and we get to act like Christ. And that's how we're able to share. People go, something different about you, and then we get to share, absolutely, because of Jesus Christ. It changed my life. So it's in that environment that we get to represent Christ. It's, wow, we, we display whether or not we're really disciples or not. The last one is dominion. Dominion speaks of government. You realize that there is government everywhere. There is self-government, which we just talked about. There's family government. There's church government. There is marketplace government. Ever told your boss you didn't want to do what he wanted you to do? Mm-hmm. You're looking for a new job. <laughs> you know, and then there is civil government. Now, here's the truth of the matter is we've abandoned most of these posts. We've given them over to someone else to tell us what to do. We're supposed to be involved. We need to be educated, and we need to be involved, and we need to vote. We need to be involved in every area. Think about this. Some of you live in an apartment complex where there's rules in that apartment complex. Some of you live in a, a little area where there may be a homeowner's association. They tell you what to do, too. You live in a municipality. There's authority there. There's authority in a county. There's, a, there's authority in the state, and there's authority in the federal government. 
And we have got to be involved. We need to be involved. The colonel is running for office. We need to be involved. I was supposed to say who to vote for. So anyway. <laughs> but we need to be involved. You need to be educated. We're supposed to be involved. We're not to give up these areas. God is in charge. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and he rules over all. And we're supposed to exercise his authority, us being in relationship to he who has all authority in every realm. That's what our assignment is. That's what God has called us to do. So all of these, really, this is what the Lord has called us to do. We first have to be a disciple to make disciples. But the discipleship, think about this, the home and the marketplace actually reveal the kind of disciple we really are. This is pretty, we can be a disciple on Sunday morning, but hey, what about at home and what about at work where we spend most of our time? That, that reveals where we really are. So what God wants us to do is to recognize that, look, all kinds of things going on in this world, we need to get involved. The way we get involved is be crystal clear of what our assignment is. We need to be a disciple. We need to be a disciple that is, that is living that in our family unit, living that and connected in our local church, living that in wherever we work and whatever assignment God has given to us, and we need to be involved in our government. we got a mess. We've got the government trying to dictate every realm right now. You know, whole issue of education. You realize the family is in charge of education of their children. Now, you may send them to public school. You may send them to private school. You may send them to, you may do homeschool, whatever. It doesn't matter, but you are still responsible for your children's education, regardless of where you have, a, have them placed. Uh, we've got so many things out of order right now. The government is overstepping its bounds and not stepping in where it should be in many other areas. So it's time for us to step up. But the way you step up is that you've got to be a disciple of Christ. You've got to abide in the vine, abide in his word, and let the word of God direct your life so that we can be who God's called us to be. That's where he's called us. So I want to pray for us. I want to pray that God would help us to really be a disciple. A disciple will make a difference. And no one can make you choose that way. You choose if you want to be a disciple or not. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you, we bless you, we thank you that you paid with your life so we could have life. You've given everything so that we could be who you created us to be. You've restored us to your original intent and I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, you'd help us to understand, Lord, that you have made a way for us to abide in you, abide in your word, to be a disciple, so, Lord, we can make a difference in this world by helping others come into relationship with you and growing into who you created us to be. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we just thank you. I pray now for everyone that's here and everyone that's watching this, Lord, help us to really we want to make disciples, but we first need to be a disciple. So just ask, ask him where you are. Ask him what you need to do. Ask him what is your place. Some of you may be actually not even following the Lord. Time to return. Some of you may not really know Jesus. It's time to get saved. There's others that say, well, you know, I know 
I need to do something, but I'm, like I described, I'm in that little eddy just sitting there doing nothing on the side when everybody's going by and the river's flowing. Maybe you need to get in the river. You may need to get connected here at Sojourn. Get in relationship, men's meetings, women's meetings. But it's up to you. You can hold back and be an attender. But God wants us to join in and connect. Lord, show us how to really disciple the nations. How to really be a people that reflect you. Help us to live a life that glorifies you and that if what you originally created man to do was to represent you here, to steward the earth. Forgive us for not doing so. But Lord, I ask you to help us to step up and we start by being clear on our assignment of being a disciple that makes a difference. In Jesus' name, amen.